Welcome to Brothers in Song, everyone. We're glad you listeners are here with us because we only want to be with you. Damn it, you did it again, Dan. (laughs) Should I just let you cry about it? I I mean, sure. I'm I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. I'm not going (laughs) to hold your hand through this process, Joe. Damn, we're going to run out of time if we keep this nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) How are you doing, Joe? I'm fine. I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So I think it's uh, it's good to be here. And uh, I want to get us started off because, you know, we got here. We started this thing almost exactly a year ago, which is kind of funny to think about. Um, So I'm, you know, I think we've done a little bit of sort of reflection about this project, but I figured now is a nice little milestone to take a step back and um ask you um to share you know well how do you think we're going do you think we should do another year (laughs) (laughs) and um you know things you learned things that are you know harder than you thought they would be um you know what what have been your you know high level thoughts about this uh this crazy project that we have going well my first thought is you know, when I went and asked you to do this, I, I can't even remember where I got the original idea. But but when I asked you, I just figured, well, you know, I'll ask Joe. He'll probably say no. He's, you know, he's got an army of children he's got to take care of. And, uh, you know, it's probably not going to get off the ground, but it's a nice idea. So mm-hmm. I was very pleased when you said yes. Mm-hmm. I guess we've done a lot more than I than I thought we would have. And we covered a lot more ground than I thought we would. I'm not sure what I was expecting. But doing this has changed the way that I look at music a bit. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I I don't think I'm, I don't think my tastes have changed all that much. Mm -hmm. But I think because I've given so many different types of things, a chance and like a fair opportunity to win me over. Right. That, that I've just kind of gained an appreciation for things that, you know, maybe I'm not going to listen regularly, but, uh, you know, I've, I've gained a respect for the, for those artists. And it kind of makes me want to, you know, just continue diversifying what we listen to on the show. And, um, and also, you know, what I listen to uh, on a on a regular uh, on a regular basis, you know, just for my just for my own enjoyment. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next to the next year, and and you know, just seeing what different ideas we can come up with. And now that we kind of know how to do this, you know, maybe we can you know push ourselves a little bit a little bit more uh, um, to uh, you know to explore some you know some more difficult territory for us. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that idea. And, um, you know, we talk a lot about how music is iterative and, you know, people learn from from their own experiences, from seeing other people's experiences. And I think that we should uh, employ that philosophy with this with this podcast as well. Um, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that because, you know, we 
we spent a lot of time before we even press record for the first time, like designing the structure and and how we wanted to go through things um, and really having like a, a very clear run of show. And what I found, and I think that you'll agree with this, is that the quote unquote special episodes where we say, let's break the mold, let's break the convention yeah. Yeah. and just, yeah. you know, be creative and put together some stuff that we think, you know, has some linkage um, and and just, you know, get get our reactions to it. I think those have probably been the most fun for me. And, you know, when we started, I wasn't even thinking about, you know, let's let's do all these like special <laughs> episodes. But I hope our listeners have enjoyed them because we've definitely enjoyed um, putting them together. And, you know, tonight we're going to go back to our 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 standard standard format, which I think has served us well and and to your point has allowed us to really uh listen closely and explore some music that we maybe missed um but um you know more than anything uh i want to thank you because you really uh you do a lot of the heavy lifting on this thing (laughs) and um you yes i did say yes but i to uh, joining you on this but it wasn't uh an immediate yes i think you had to ask me a couple times because it's like i gotta think about it and i don't really know um and uh you were persistent and uh i'm very happy that we we uh we we just took a leap and decided to do this um the last thing i'll say is that uh it's pretty cool that we basically went from sending each other YouTube clips to creating 30 some odd episodes of a podcast. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's yeah, basically definitely. how it got started. So, um, good job by us. Yeah. Give ourselves a pat on the back. Um, all right. So without any further delay, uh, it was your pick this week. And can you tell us what we're going to be talking about today? Sure, sure. So we're talking about the 1994 album by Hootie and the Blowfish called Cracked Rear View. Um, and, you know, I, I chose this this album for a couple of reasons. One, you know, you're not the only person that was listening to music in the 90s, my friend. There were, oh. there were a bunch of other, <laughs> other, uh, other people out there doing it, too. Oh, wow. OK. Yeah, Do I know. Tell. Probably news to you. So it, as much as I've loved uh, joining you on your trip down memory lane, uh, this was one that I definitely listened to a lot when it came out. And me, and uh, I don't know if you found this astonishing, but I sure did in my research, 21 million copies of this album sold. That's oh. an incredible amount of music, <laughs> like an incredible amount of sales uh, for anything, even back in the 90s. Um, and I I remember the summer we were driving every day to Rocky Hill for our summer camp. And it was it was a good enough ride from our house, probably like 35, 40 minutes. And I listened to this thing once on the way there, once on the way back for two <laughs> weeks straight. <laughs> um, so I was pretty familiar with it. I actually. Uh, Forgot a lot of the songs in the back half, probably because I was so enamored with many of the singles. Um, but let me just go back and for folks who who just need a quick refresher, because, you know, Hootie and the Blowfish, they were, you know, really important in the 90s music. But they definitely they, they were on hiatus until I think 2019. Um, but the group is the quartet of Darius Drucker, Mark Bryan, Dean Felberg and Jim uh, Sonnenfeld. 
and they're out of Columbia, South Carolina, and they kind of came together um, in 1986. But this was sort of their uh, their their first uh, their first full album. You know, they had been playing together for a while. Um, so again, like to come out of the gate and have you know three or four really popular singles, and then just an album that was literally off the charts for um, you know months and months and months. So. I'm curious, you have obviously heard tracks from this album, but uh, had you been, had any thoughts of Hootie and the Blowfish ever crossed your mind since the, uh, you know, mid to late 90s? I mean, not really. I mean, of course, I'm super familiar with, with the singles. And I don't know if we have any younger listeners out there, it's difficult to overstate how massive this was. Mm hmm. And that's the strange thing about it, because I think it would be, you know, difficult to explain to a kid like my son, who's 14, mm-hmm. uh, and and be like, oh, OK, this was some of the most popular music. And it was just you heard it everywhere, you know, uh, almost, you know, almost 30 years ago. This was it right. um, because. Honestly, there's nothing about it that screams hit. Really, right. like I can't. Right. I don't know. It. It's very strange. <laughs> Unless you were there, it's like this wouldn't make any sense. I don't think. Well, no, and like there, there's a lot of good stuff on this album, but there's. No, I would say there's nothing exceptional about mm-hmm. it. You mm-hmm. know. It's just, you know, a really good, you know, pop rock album. Pop rock doesn't really exist anymore, not to my knowledge, in a in a substantial way. And I guess that's why it had such mass appeal, because if you like rock music, you probably could, you know, be okay with some of the tracks on here. If you like pop music, it's easy to listen to. Hell, even if you like country, I mean, they're not... Uh, like traditional country group but they have certain you know tracks on this album and certain sounds and 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 other tracks that remind you of country music so i don't think you would totally hate it so i guess having uh sort of that cross genre appeal is what made it such a massive success um but you're right it's kind of like for I don't know, three, six months, it was like you heard it everywhere. You turned on the TV, you turned on your car, you were walking through the mall, like it was everywhere. Um, And, uh, you know, and then they did a follow-up album that did pretty well. And then they kind of, you know, um, they did some touring and then they went on hiatus and Darius Rucker was just doing his own solo thing and... That was that. So it's kind of amazing to be that big of a thing and then just kind of fade away, you know? Yeah. And a, a couple things that you said, you know, brought up some thoughts for me. Um, you know, first of all, your comment about how, like, pop rock kind of just doesn't really exist anymore. And, you know, other than, say, grunge and the you know, 90s pop and 
the explosion of hip hop and R&B in the 90s, I would say like probably the next biggest category were bands like Hootie and the Blowfish. Mm -hmm. And and there were actually, you know, a lot of them. You got like Spin Doctors, uh, Matchbox 20 in the later 90s, Goo sure. Dolls, and my personal favorite, the Gin Blossoms. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> um, and that kind of group, that kind of just like straight ahead rock group that, you know, kind of doesn't rock too hard. Right. Yeah. I mean, we may as well be talking about like band leaders in the forties or something. Like, <laughs> right, just gone. right. 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 Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, I definitely agree with a lot of the, the sentiments, you know, that, that you're saying it's like, there's nothing groundbreaking here. You know, it rocks a little bit. The melodies are pleasant. Darius Rucker has a decent voice. The songs are decent. It's kind of all just very decent and okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, which kind of makes it easy for the record company to just like push this as a product because it's just kind of going to be accepted by a lot of people, even if they don't love it. You know? Right. Right. Like, like if you're doing like rank choice voting and you have like 10 albums from the nineties and this is one of them, it's probably not going to be number one on a lot of people's lists, but it's not going to be towards the bottom either, you know? So, um, I mean, take that for what it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, so tell me any tracks stick out to you? I, I mean, I think we owe it to ourselves and the listeners to talk a little bit about, you know, the, the three main sing singles, but, um, what were your kind of first impressions revisiting this one? Um, so would you like me to uh, talk about revisiting the singles first? Or do you want me to talk about like maybe other stuff first? Uh, your choice. All right. Well, let's go ahead and tackle the, the singles then. Mm -hmm. And uh, give you my thoughts on, on revisiting those. Mm -hmm. um, so... The first one I wanted to bring up is I Only Want to Be With You. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that one was maybe the biggest one. It was, yeah. And what I'll say now is gather round, children, and I will tell you a tale of long ago <laughs> when no one had a cell phone and Sports Center on ESPN was the epitome of cool. Because mm -hmm. I went back and I watched the video mm -hmm. and it's got like this weird sports center theme and the band members are like playing golf and playing basketball and like Alonzo Mourning is in the video and of it's course like, he is. why wouldn't he be <laughs> yeah I know <laughs> and, and like now sports center is just very much like corporate establishment and right. at that point in the 90s that was probably like their peak of being like cool and relevant, mm -hmm. um, you know, and the sports center anchors being kind of stars in their own right. Um, so it was just very strange to watch that video and listen to that song at the same time. I mean, imagine being like a 28 year old in a rock band and being like, we got to get the sports center guys in our video. <laughs> well, um, I, I mean, it's funny. So you said Alonzo Mourning and the sports center guys, I would say Alonzo Mourning in his basketball playing days was probably like a solid B player. Like he wasn't winning the MVP, but he was like a solid guy. You want him on your team, right? The sports yeah. center guys 
people knew who they were. They weren't A-list celebrities. So it's <laughs> filling out the theme of everything's pretty good. Like nothing's like too over the top. <laughs> right. Pretty good is good enough. Yeah. Right. Like they didn't get yeah. Michael Jordan in the video. No, they didn't. <laughs> so they did not. Um, but that was one that I it, though it was the most popular one, like it's hard to even listen to that. Like it's like I got my summons for jury duty that I'm due to go. And it's like, you can't have like any kind of like knowledge of the case before you walk in. It's like, you can't listen to this song. Cause like everybody has knowledge of the case. Cause like <laughs> yeah. they, you were alive during that time. Like you heard it many, many times. So right. that's one that like, it, it, it's a good song. Uh, but you heard it so much. It's kind of like, I don't know how many more times I need to hear it again. You know? Uh, yeah yeah it's true and what's funny to me is like listening to the listening to the three big singles mm -hmm. they all kind of start the same way it's like the same it's like it's a two chord progression mm -hmm. uh and it's very and it's a very simple progression it's like a one four or one five i don't know i didn't look mm -hmm. it up um just very middle of the road and even now i'm like i don't hate this right i really don't right, like, right and if you catch me in the right mood like maybe i'm singing it maybe i'm singing harmonies in my car you don't mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so i, I want to throw this out to you if we can move on to let her cry because that, that was another yeah. you know big single i really enjoyed it um revisiting it i was like huh this sounds almost like a counting crow song and then in my head i was like huh let me let me th just throw this at you this is like a hot take and and, and it's pretty hot so like all right, all get right. your oven mitts on <laughs> okay what if darius rucker uh -huh. and adam durance swapped oh geez i don't know what would happen like, let's take, like, personalities and, like, song... Like, I'm just talking about purely, like, their vocal talent. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I think that Darius Rucker is probably more universally appealing as a singer. Because mm -hmm. I, I don't mind Adam Duritz, but I know that, like, some of my friends thought he was, uh, you know, a little whiny and... Right, right, right. You know, and that kind of thing. Um... I think the Counting Crows cast of players are a little bit more talented. I, I mean, oh, I, think I think they're just like, I think yeah, I, I think they're 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 just a more talented group or doing more, you know, just more interesting mm -hmm. things musically. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so, so that that would be a weird scenario, right? <laughs> so. I thought of it because I'm like, because I, I really like Darius Rucker's voice. And, and I said, I should just say, like, let, let's take a minute to talk about that for a minute, uh, because it's very distinctive. And I'm pretty sure if they didn't have a lead singer like him, they would still be in Columbia, South Carolina. Like, I think that the fact that he is such a great front man is why this was so successful like that was like the secret ingredient and 
Um, it's what's also kind of cool is that he's like a true baritone. Like yeah. he has a he has a, a low voice for a pop rock singer, and just like the quality, the rasp, um, I really like it. I think it works for him, like, and it's very authentic to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this song really uh, showcases it well. Um, and that that got me thinking, like, well, if this sounds kind of like a kind of Crow's song, I wonder what he would sound like singing other songs of theirs, you know? <laughs> right, um, right. Because I, I I liked it a lot. Yeah, I I agree. It's a very it's it's distinctive without being weird, and it's and it's pleasant, and it's got it's got a great tone. Um, right. Yeah, that's probably the main draw to the band honestly now mm-hmm. that you mention it mm-hmm. um but yeah that song was probably one that and not probably i i really really liked that song yeah. back in the day yeah and um you know it's just one of these songs from the 90s there seems to be a a surplus of sad ballads about about troubled women mm-hmm. uh, it's definitely a trope and like the speaker of the song you know some dude usually is like you know uh crying about how you know if he only if she only knew how wonderful she is and if only i could save her <laughs> type right, of thing right, right. like yeah, there right. was a lot of that going on uh and uh this is the just a prime example right right so i'm curious of your uh thoughts on hold my hand because that was the third of sort of the big three singles on this album and I like that song, you know, I, I think I think it's a good song. My, But when I went back and listened to it a little bit more closely, I was like, huh, there's some sounds in here that remind me of a group that we talk about often on the show. That's Pearl Jam. So here's another hot take for you. You ready? Yeah, okay. <laughs> sure. It's like, what if Pearl Jam was happy all the time instead of sad would this with what their music would talk sound like it's like euphoric pearl jam (laughs) there's not so much anger and angst in it yeah i i don't know i'm having a hard time even wrapping my brain around that Uh, i thought you would (laughs) um there must be some happy pearl jam songs out there i'm not going to try and think of them now um but yeah, I I but you know what? I kind of understand what you're talking about because you know this comes out in '94, so grunge is well established at this point, mm-hmm. and um, there's you know a segment of the music listening public that you know wants wants to go the other way, mm-hmm. but maybe just from exposure, you know, enjoys some of the sounds of you know of grunge um so i don't know maybe you're onto something there you know they want they want this you know some of the same uh sonic qualities of of some of the bands right right and but they don't want to get into like the subject matter yeah. <clears throat> that those groups are really you know making a statement about right right right, right. Um, and, you know, my opinion of this song in general is like, 
I'm just like, man, this is so basic and I shouldn't like this. But again, mm -hmm. I don't mind it. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we're, I think we got a theme going here, but like, it's just, it's just so basic and it's so, uh, you know, the, the whole, you know, the hold my hand, e even that line, like the audacity of them to write that line when it's been written a million times um, in, in one form or another in pop music. Right. And yet still make a song that's pleasant and you're not like, oh, not this again. Yeah, you're not mad about it, right? I'm not mad about <laughs> it. I'm not. So those were the big three. You know, again, we were pretty familiar with those, but it was fun to go back and uh, revisit them. What were some of the ones on here that maybe you hadn't heard before, hadn't heard in a really long time that, that stood out for you? In a good way or maybe a not so good way? All right. Or so, maybe an okay way. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, you know, honestly, probably my favorite song in the whole thing is the opener, Hannah mm -hmm. Jane. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a pretty fun one. It, it's got some of the same qualities as, you know, Hold My Hand and, and uh, uh, I Only Want to Be With You. But it's a little bit more more rock oriented. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's it's very catchy. I like the harmonies. It's a great opener to the album, mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of kicks things off with the great energy. Uh, I'm a little surprised it wasn't a single, honestly. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that one might be my might be my favorite. Um, and uh, other than that, um, I would say Running from an Angel mm -hmm. it, it is interesting, if nothing else. It, it's got a bit of a different feel than a lot of the rest of the album. I like the addition of the violin and like the hand drum mm -hmm. um, percussion in there. And something about the melody like reminded me of like uh, like a Smokey Robinson song or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I, I can't quite put my finger on it, but um, so, you know, so that one stood out for me in, in a good way. I mean, I don't think it was like 100% successful, but I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like they're trying here. Um, so those were two that I, two that I liked that were not the ubiquitous singles. How, yeah. how about you? Did you have any other ones that you thought stood out in a, in a good way? Uh, yeah, I had two towards the end. Uh, Look Away and Goodbye. I thought those were both pretty good look away the only thing i i would say is i wish it was a little bit longer because it's it's under it's under 245 and i really think that they had something um really really interesting in that song and i think goodbye is just you know it's is a great way to end end an album um it has um you know to me it has like almost like an 80s pop rock type feel to it mm -hmm. um but then they do something a little bit you know, clever with the organ and um, throwing my third hot take at you, Dan. And I'm not saying that the world needs it, yeah. but could you envision a Hootie and the Blowfish musical on Broadway in the future? Because those two songs, I was like, this could totally be in a musical. Totally. You know, sadly, or maybe not so sadly, 
I think that could work. Right. And then you put the <laughs> three singles on top of that. You end the first act of time. Boom. You're good. You're rocking and rolling, literally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of time. Yeah. Since you brought it up. That is a song that I have an issue with. Mm-hmm. And I have a well thought out cogent argument to explain why. Okay. Got ahead. I, I don't like it. <laughs> um, and I can't really explain why. It's just like the other songs are earworms in, in a good way. And this one's an earworm in a bad way. And I don't know, man, I don't know what it is about that, that song. It irritates see if I, me so much. Let, let me see if I can clarify it. I think they are leaning really hard into the fleeting aspect of time mm-hmm. and through that um with that thought they are you know there's so much repetition and and rhythmic uh acceleration but then there's not really a melody to carry it and therefore it becomes an earworm that's not, just like not pleasant mm. yeah I, th- I think that makes sense um yeah, and I mean, that one's OK. I, I, I probably don't dislike it as much as you do, but like, I, I think it's all right. You know, if we're going to do gripes, one that I just didn't care for was I'm going home. Um, like that one, I felt like was probably the uh, probably the weakest, you know, from a songwriting perspective, the chorus wasn't really interesting interesting or catchy um it's kind of like it had a little bit too much of like i don't know if it was like the pop elements but it was just like eh, i'll skip over this one like the second or third time going through the album <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah 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 um so uh final thoughts i mean final thoughts this was very okay yeah um <laughs> you know and sometimes the albums and the artists that are just inoffensive are the hardest ones to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe the biggest overarching issue I have with the album is that while I find aspects of it enjoyable, it doesn't really make me feel much of anything. Right. It, it, it's It's just so basic. And I think at least if I hated it, I could think about, well, why do I hate this so much? Like, why mm-hmm. am I, why is it getting such a visceral reaction out of me? Uh, you know, and maybe I'd learn something about myself or maybe learn that I was being unfair for mm-hmm. certain reasons or whatever, or like, listen to your perspective and think about, okay, well, this is why a person would like it. Mm-hmm. But this is just such milk toast that I can't even right. like hate it. You know, right, right. Um, so that's kind of my big takeaway for the whole thing. So, so my my big, you know, my final thoughts are on this show. On several occasions, we've definitely praised people for taking risks and for staying true to their artistic vision and not being afraid to piss off any number of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and We've had, you know, 
stuff that we really admired and, and loved about that. And then other ones where we're like, well, you know, I, at least I'll speak for myself. It's not my cup of tea, but I appreciate what they're trying to do. Right. Yeah. I would say like, this is almost the opposite in that it's really not a, it, it, like, clearly it's all 21 million copies. Like it's not offensive to anybody. Mm-hmm. And like, if that's just who they are, then that's great. But if it was projected upon them, like, oh, you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that or whatever, then I feel like that would be uh, that would be too bad because I do think that, you know, through some of, you know, what we explored tonight, there is some pretty great music in there. So mm-hmm. if they had an op and, and, and I say this because it's not like they have a huge catalog that we can look back on and just say like, well, they were just getting started and then they evolved and then they, you know, tried some, you know, experimental stuff or whatever, you know, this is, it was pretty much like the big thing that they did. So I hope that this is just kind of who they are. They're nice guys. They're, you know, playing music that they love and telling stories that they want to tell. And that's great. Um, so I hope that was the case. And so I'm going to go with that because <laughs> yeah, if it's the other one, I'm gonna be like, oh, that sucks. But right, I don't right. know. I don't think that, <laughs> I mean, I can't even imagine how much money they made off this thing, but I'm sure it was plenty. So yeah. And I mean, good for them. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And I mean, not to, uh, not to belabor a, a, a point, but for, for all those kids out there who may be listening to this. So 21 million copies. What we mean is there are 21 million physical recordings that were purchased at a store. They had to someone or 21 million people had to make a decision to go to the store (laughs) and spend 18, 10, 12, 15. Yeah. $18, you know, uh, on this uh, thing and take it home and listen to it. So that's um, that's something to, that's something to think about. Another thing that's just really different mm-hmm. from then that it is than it is now. But I guess that's, that's crazy. It was a crazy time, man. The nineties. Oh, and you know what we for, you know what we forgot to talk about what the name of the freaking band. Oh, did you find out the story? I know the story. No, I didn't find out the story. I, I just think it's a terrible name for a band. All right, well, oh, this is a perfect way to end this then. Because it's actually, <laughs> it's actually like kind of a nice story. Let me just make sure I have this right from my notes. So the lead singer, Darius Rucker, was inspired by his nicknames for two of his college buddies. One more really r- big round glasses and the that made him look like an owl. And the other guy had these big puffy cheeks that made him look like a blowfish. So uh, there you go. Not that either of those guys were in the band, but right. <laughs> uh, that's how they came up with it. So wow. I, I don't know if that's any better reason than uh, um, Grandma Pearl's Jam, but, you know, it's, it's something. It's not like they just played, uh, you know, picking words out of a hat or anything. So... Well, there, there, there you go, I guess, uh, you know, and I guess if you're not trying to say anything too profound, then Hootie and the Blowfish is a perfectly fine name because people mm-hmm. will remember it. So I think we've done it. 
um, why don't you tell our fine listeners um, the origin story of <laughs> the name of the next artist we're going to be um, listening to next week? Because I think it's just pretty simple, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I won't get into it uh, unprepared because I, I, I don't want to get it wrong, even though I do kind of know where her name came from. Mm. Um, so we're going to be doing the 2016 Beyonce album and video essay, mini movie. Sure. Lemonade. Um, so I think that will be fun and, and interesting. And mm-hmm. I've already started listening to it and I already have some thoughts. So, um, yeah, so definitely tune in next time for that one. Uh, we appreciate you listeners. Please share the show with family, friends, and enemies. Uh, you know, <laughs> feel free to share any episodes, your favorite episodes to your social media and, and whatnot. Get the word out there so we have uh, even more of you to uh, share this with in our second year. Very so good. with that, we'll see you next time. Brothers in Song is written and produced by Joseph Collin and Daniel Collin, and edited by Daniel Collin. To keep up with the latest news, follow us on Instagram at Brothers in Song. Until next time, listen to some new music. You just may surprise yourself.